0: Salutations! This is Charlie, and welcome to episode nine. Today, we have an interview with Joey. And like many of us, he was one of those type of people that would go to the Kratom store each day and buy just the supply he needed for that 24 hour period, partly in the promise that tomorrow would be his quit date, and partly as a way to moderate his use. And I was the same way at the end. Congratulations to my first guest, Elliot. He celebrated a year clean from Kratom recently. An article in the literature states that the kratom addiction carries a relapse risk as high as 78% to 89% at 3 months this cites three scientific articles it was entitled pharmacotherapy for management of kratom use disorder a systematic literature review a survey of experts it was authored by five doctors Cornell Stachio Saeed Ahmed Brian Haibicki Thomas Penders, and David Galbus-Rieg. It was published in the Wisconsin Medical Journal, April 2021. There is now substantial evidence, the article states, showing it is possible for individual kratom users to meet all diagnostic and statistical manual, 5th edition, also known as the DSM-5, criteria associated with a substance abuse disorder diagnosis. A category for the, quote, kratom use disorder, unquote, or CUD or KUD, as we coin it in this paper, does not formally exist in the DSM-5, which was last revised in 2013. Out of the 69 qualifying participants who completed the survey in the article, 57 of the practitioners encountered cases of CUD, or KUD, including 19 out of 57, or 33% of the cases which were In isolation of another uh, substance disorder, which, you know, kind of one in three goes along with my interview so far. Two of my six guests up to the state had no previous problem with another substance beyond until they encountered kratom. So this almost like 80 to 90% relapse rate can seem scary and insurmountable. Uh, I think it could be accurate browsing the online forums and places on social media. So it got me thinking, what do you need to do to beat that statistic? And obviously that article was advocating for the use of medicated assistant treatment. I came up with a kind of a list of five things to prevent relapse early on. self helpy So if you don't want like a pep talk, please fast forward five minutes and get right to the interview. I am also going to indulge in some alliteration here as well. But the good thing is I did not use chat GPT. This is like Written just for you, for this audience, preventing relapse. Number one, withstand the withdrawal. I think that's one of the biggest triggers, reasonings, justifications for using Kratom again. And it's just to get relief. You know, in that first week, you want to sleep, you want to feel better, you want to just get over the agony, you know. And then that first month, I had a lot of anhedonia and depression, and I just, Just didn't get pleasure out of things. So I thought, hmm, some Kratom would help. And then the second month, I was very lethargic. And I thought, hmm, I need some energy. (laughs) And again, Kratom came to my mind. And then this past month, my energy returned. But I had a lot of trouble with focusing. And again, I thought, oh, Kratom is the medicine I need. So withstanding withdrawals, the symptoms... Uh, acute ones early on to the maybe the post acute the pause that uh, come in later months withstanding those and avoiding using Kratom again to deal with how you're feeling is the number one probably relapse prevention tip number two halt the habit I found that my use of Kratom had become ritualized that it was like I was on autopilot and whether it's It's what you do, what you did on your way to work or on the way home from work. There's these patterns that you engage in daily life. I had to stop those. I had to replace them. Number three, mend your mentality. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but this is all the rationalizations and justifications that we employ to use Kratom. And some of them are logical and some of them are far-fetched, you know, from it's better than drinking. It's better than doing hard drugs. It won't kill me. I can't overdose. It's a plant. It's a herbal remedy. It's related to coffee. It will help me improve my performance. All that thinking, you have to change your beliefs. And sometimes that is hard. And there's a couple ones, like I call it the one-time use fallacy. Banna last week, you know, introduced this concept of the fading effects bias. We... As we get farther away from our creative use, we you know, our brain compartmentalizes and obscures that trauma from our, our direct consciousness. And then we also might have some euphoric uh, recall where we just remember the good times. We have to mend our mentality, um, so that we don't uh, fall back into our old beliefs and thinking. Number four, connect with community. I don't recommend doing this alone. I think you want to be in solidarity with others. This is a two-way street. Sometimes people will help you. Other times you will help them. There's all sorts of options. You can do it online. You can do it in person. You can do it at church. You can do it through traditional 12 help. You can invent your own social circle. I'm involved in this group chat of people who all quit Kratom at the same time, and it's so fun to get a text. Um, and sometimes it's not always fun because people are struggling. People sometimes relapse. I feel their pain. This happens to help me because it reminds me of, oh, wow, this is why I don't want to use Kratom. And then it also presents service opportunities when you're connected in the community. <laughs> Highly recommend it. You meet new people. You make new friends. And it's one of the benefits of getting hooked on Kratom and then now getting off of it. I've met some really great people. And number five, pursue your passions. Sometimes many of us found that Kratom made us docile and turned us into hermits and made us lose interest. Whatever that is, don't forget to start pursuing it as soon as you start feeling better. And even if you are feeling bad, Make yourself do it a little bit. So for me, in a couple of weeks, I'm I'm going out of town to see some music out of state. That might have happened anyway, even on the Kratom. But the last time I did a trip and I had to worry about Kratom and interstate travel, it was a hassle. I'm going to be clear-headed. The only thing, the hardest stuff I'll be using is some caffeine and some kombucha. <laughs> Forgive the humble brag. I live in a Great Lakes state. The weather's good now. I finally got my boat in the water. There was a little problem with the prop and my boat guy. This is busy season, but I'm uh, on the water now and it's fun. I'll just repeat that. Those five uh, alliterations. Withstand the withdrawal. to halt the habit. Three, mend your mentality. Four, connect with community. And five, pursue your passions. Five things you can do to be on the right side of the relapse statistic. So one last personal note. Uh, this week I had to enjoy uh, schools over and uh, both my kids at one point in the middle of the week, they're out of the house because they were both working. They both had found jobs on their own and it was just a, a moment of pride. Uh, there, there's a good possibility. The reason they're working so hard is they they don't want to be stuck living in the house with me. Uh, When they turn eighteen, and that's a good enough reason for me. So now for the interview. (music) Greetings. Today we have Joey. He was an early adopter to Kratom in the 2005 era, and he's going to tell us his story and his journey with quitting Kratom. A welcome, and please uh, describe yourself to the world.
1: Thanks, Charlie. Yeah, I'm, I'm Joey. I'm grateful to be in recovery from Kratom, among other substances. Um, I, I have a pretty happy life right now, uh, I work, I have a side thing going, um, Luckily, kept my wife, have a German Shepherd, staying active. So life is moving well for me, for sure. I'm happy right now. I wouldn't have said that a couple of weeks ago or months ago, but yeah.
0: And uh, why don't you uh, talk about your first time using Kratom and then the path of how it got to be a problem?
1: Absolutely. So my first time I was in high school and we were exploring drugs. And when we couldn't get our hands on anything, we knew there was this Herbs shop, as it was called in uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Um, and we would go there and we'd go experiment. They had all these different plants. You could use cactus to hallucinate on all this stuff, toads. Um, but they had Kratom and we you had to be 18 or 21 to be in the store. We definitely weren't. Um, we were using fake IDs and we were buying Kratom. And the guy told us, he goes, yeah, the way the natives used to consume this product is that they would insufflate it, like they would blow it. Like snorted. And uh so me and my buddy we went back and we bought an extract and uh that they had and we started snorting and got very sick. That was my first time with great 'em. That was just a stupidly wasted, bad idea. Not didn't get any effects from that. The the guy was trolling us since we were underage. Okay. And uh when did you start using it more regularly? When I got to college, I was like ten minutes I was very close to that store. He used to be like forty five minutes away. Um I didn't want to say I used it regularly then, but I I started touching it maybe once a week or something. Um, But I started moving it regularly once I moved for, once I started my career, moved from college to to a different state and started working. I was experimenting with, I was using other pain meds recreationally. And then when I couldn't get my hands on them, I knew I could fall back to Kratom safely. And Kratom was just always this crutch I had access to because you could get it at the stores. Yeah.
0: And you have a history of struggling with other substances? Everything. No.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had uh, 15 years of benzos and alcohol and um, ADHD beds, but I wouldn't say I had a problem with them, but I used them nonetheless. And then, and then I, 20, 2015, I had prescribed so much pain meds for a year. Um, so I did have a problem with other substances and for even nicotine i've recovered from all of that though as of right now for today at this moment what was the most problematic thing about your kratom use (laughs) you know if you would have asked me that when i was using kratom i would tell you there's not that much you know i'm doing great but only when i was able to get some time away from not using kratom did i and it's just recently now actually i'm learning my cognitive performance was terrible my productivity was shot i was stupid I was not happy. I was miserable. I I don't know if I can pick one thing because each week I'm seeing new benefits from my abstinence. And I'm just like, I didn't realize how much this stuff was holding me back. I really didn't. Um, but the thing that I probably would say was if I had to pick one, I would probably say that Kratom, it's a loop, psychological loop I'd get stuck on. Of I need more. Where am I going to get the next one? How am I going to take it? And my feelings being completely dependent on a chemical. Did you try to quit multiple times? Oh, man, I tried to quit so many times since 2021. I quit every other substance. I quit benzo- 15 years of benzodiazepines, maybe maybe 20 years or something like that. It was 15. Um, I quit that. I quit the heavy payments. I quit nicotine i quit alcohol i could quit everything and i thought kratom would be the easiest thing for me to quit and it ended up being the hardest it was the last one i could let go of it was so hard to quit do you have a rationale or theory about that oh much deep analysis for sure and i think the reason for that is well a is the access right it's it's an opiate you can go buy at the gas station down the street now it's everywhere at the head shops and everything health stores cbd stores. I mean, it's crazy. So the the explosion of access for sure. Also, the Mm -hmm. products are much more concentrated now. You can get these extracts are ridiculously concentrated, but it was also really hard because Kratom didn't destroy my life quickly. It was slow. The consequences for Kratom for me were small at the time. They were, they're incremental and it slowly creeped up to be a problem in my life. And. I couldn't see it. So if you're doing other much harder substances, let's say, uh, and I don't like to say that because kratom can be pretty rough, especially those high extracts. We can talk about that later. But you're talking about Oxycontin or something, for example, those drugs, they have large consequences, heroin, injecting it. You have large, you're going to feel like crap very quickly the day after. You're going to have problems. You're going to know what you're doing is terrible. But kratom, you feel like you're doing, you don't feel like what you're doing is that bad. I feel like that. that was one of my issues. It's safe. It's related to coffee. Uh, It's uh, it's it's a pre workout. It's all these things that are totally okay. You can buy it at the store. It's not that bad for you, and that's a very false narrative that we tell ourselves. At least that I.
0: There's your German shepherd. (laughs) And um, let's see. When you finally quit, when this this episode is published, I think we both have similar quit dates. I think we'll both be around ninety days. Mm did you taper or cold turkey or do you uh,
1: medicated assistant treatment? Great question. Um, I quit probably like 30, 40 times, at least minimum. Okay. And um, what I was doing was um, I actually found a really good method of cold. Like when I first, so I have been on Kratom since from straight, my, my nonstop usage was like 2016 to 2021. And eventually when I got so fed up and I tried to quit that first quit, I was so desperate to stop that I created a plan for myself. And that's what I did with all these other meds that I've quit before. It's a rapid detox. Sorry, not rapid detox, rapid taper. And I have some rules for myself that I followed and I'm very grateful that it worked that time. But I immediately, what I'm trying to do in a rapid taper is I was trying to take the minimal amount to not have. Withdrawal, fun enough withdrawal symptoms so that I could function in my day. So, if I was taking 20 capsules, I would reduce that down to f- I, what I did is I reduced it down to six. Then the next day it was five. And then the next day it was three. And the next day it was three. The next, day it was three the next day it was one. And then I was done. And I prepackaged that out, planned it, and I stuck to my regimen. And I also, I don't want to share this uh, as a, as a, I'm signing off on it to go do this, but this is what I did. I used gabapentin um, and I would take it 30 minutes apart, several pills, 30 minutes apart. And I I felt like that kind of helped lessen the, the blow for me. And that first quit was very easy and gentle. The hardest part was once I got off that, my life was an absolute mess and my mind was a mess and I didn't know how to fix it. And so that left me on two years of continuing to relapse. And what did those relapses look like? So I would buy from the same exact store, the same girl that worked there for ten years that I was going to, and the relapse would look like I'm not getting enough work done. I'm miserable. I'm not. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I needed. I needed to go change the way I feel. And at some point in the day, the kratom, which you know, keeps popping up in my head, the the idea of going to get it. Next thing I know, I'm I'm down the street. I'm buying it from the girl that I've been buying it from ten years for nine years. And then I got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm just going to buy enough for that day. I'm going to decide to relapse just for today. I don't want to relapse for tomorrow. So I'm not going to buy a big bag. And I'd spend a lot of extra money doing this, but I bought a small bag just for that day. And sometimes it would last me two days. but And then I'd try to stop and I always ended up back at that store one way or another. I did get a little bit of time here and there. One, uh, last year, last summer, I had gotten 30 days and I was not working a program or anything. And by the end of those 30 days, I ended up in a psychiatric mental hospital. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's serious. Um, I was white knuckling it. Um, I just had so many intrusive thoughts and whatnot. I was going there more for to find out if they had a recovery program. I, I knew they had recovery stuff, but like, I was 30 days or so and I, I wanted to go for an OCD and addiction help and they wouldn't let me leave. Uh, now I look back, it was probably appropriate, but I mean, it was really tough when I quit those first 30 days without any sort of support or program.
0: And how long were you in the hospital and what happened when you got out? I was there
1: four days. Um, when I got out, got home with my family, uh, I did fine for a little bit, but then I was back to getting stuck on this cycle of using it. Maybe I'd get a week off here and there. And um, meanwhile, yeah. this whole time since... Th- since May 2020, I've been going to the same therapist once a week. And I'm hearing the same, I'm telling her the same thing. I'm just hearing myself like, yeah, I took Kratom. I, I even built a small app to track, like for what's called the diary tracker. And I would track my substances that I'd use, if I was feeling depressed, anxious, what the scale that was, intrusive thoughts, all that, rating all that out. And so that she could see how I did each week. And it was just every time I had to put Kratom on there, it was not good. It's not fun to do, but it happened so frequently. And I just got so tired of even hearing my own self. I don't know how she was feeling. Uh, of uh, like, oh, I took Kratom this week. I took Kratom Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday. And the other thing about it was, Charlie, I was taking this Kratom and I thought it was fixing a lot of things, but it wasn't. It wasn't fixing anything. And I didn't think it was a problem. I'm paying all this money for therapy. She's giving me all these tools that were great but I couldn't even understand the tools. I thought I did. I didn't understand them at all. I was, cause Kratom makes you dumb. I don't care what anybody says. For me, it made me stupid from the people I hear that use Kratom. They have the same problems. I'm in an IT job type of job in tech field and other people I hear in tech, they talk about the exact same thing that I went through, which is like my skills went to crap. And then I started hearing other people in different industries talk about it and they have the same problem. And it's like, if when you're doing it every day, man, you're going to have, it created these great cognitive deficits. And the only way to fix that for me, so I thought, was more Kratom.
0: Yes. I can relate. I mean, there were some benefits at first and then they faded. And then I wasn't even aware of how my uh, performance was going down. And I could totally relate. I was in therapy for a year and you're a little bit more honest. At first I was telling about the Kratom use and then I then I just, like you, I got sick of it. <laughs> so I just kept it oh, a yeah. secret and then and stopped talking about it. And then, yeah, and it was ridiculous. I was going to AA meetings. I was leading an AA meeting every other month, but I'm, you know, I'm struggling. What, what happened this last time, like 90 days ago or so, that just things came together?
1: Great question. So to be transparent, the last, since 2015, 16, sorry, since 2016, I was taking, um, OPMS, the capsules, the silver capsules. I I would sometimes I'd get into the extracts, but they're in, they're very strong, um, and in some relapses I would do that, but not often. But yeah, where I went from there in March 28th is when my last use was of kratom, and at that time I got into the feel free drinks at the end. I was violating my little rule. The thing about the opium and the silver is that that dosage was always the same no matter what. Not like buying plan online; it'd be different. I knew it wasn't cut. That's a problem you have to worry, worry about. The store I was buying it from, one of the owners was, and uh, also invested into that company. So there's a lot of counterfeit opms. There's a lot of counterfeit kratom op- uh, out there that's cut. Be careful. But you know, I we got to the point where these feel free drinks. I was doing those, and they're so easy to get at Seven Eleven. And because there were extracts, I was way worse, like emotionally, from them. I was so much more depressed. I felt like crap. And I was able to have those bigger consequences, immediate consequences, very apparent to me. My therapist made me go get a sponsor at um, AA. And I was never, I I didn't want to do it for years. I like, I'm not going to a meeting. I'm not doing any of that. And then, uh, yeah, I ended up um, up going. I got a sponsor. (laughs) And uh, she was super right as she's been right about almost everything, ironically enough. Can you believe that? <laughs> but yeah, I started listening to her, and it was my third or fourth month in AA, and that helped a lot with being able to have those real consequences from the feel free. My wife is poorly. I mean, my poor wife was just she's so exhausted of my usage um, of it, and my my dog too. My German shepherd can tell the difference. Like, and I was not being there for him that I should be uh, the training and stuff, and so um i I just knew I had to do it i but we all know that right, but what I guess, yeah, I guess what it was is I had everything else going correctly in my life at that point. I had been doing the right things, I started working out, i started um I started not showing up at work, and that like that was getting bad I would be at work, but not there, right, and it had been so long like yes. I had to start turning things around, we had layoffs, like the pressure got high, the stakes got higher um. And I just wasn't living a fulfilling life. I'm not lining up with the values that I have for myself. And I've been trying to quit long enough. I think actually having some sort of spirituality definitely helped for sure. And I'm not saying I'm religious, but I'm saying like believing in something greater than myself and then being of service to others was critical. That component helped me out a lot because when you're doing Kratom all the time, the only thing that was gives will give you pl- pleasure is Kratom. I mean, that is what addiction is. Andrew Uberman. I love him. If you don't listen to him, neuroscientist from Stanford, check him out, check out his podcast on addiction um, that he brings in like Stanford stop addiction person. But what he says is his definition of addiction is a narrowing of what gives you pleasure. And, and it's what gives you, know, gets you dopamine hits. And it's like, it becomes, the only thing that's giving you dopamine hits is kratom. And so understanding that concept helped me a lot. So when I stopped, I knew I was going to feel depressed. I knew that was expected. I knew that playing a game or doing anything was probably not going to make me feel good. But I learned to be okay with that. And I knew if I just, from what I've heard from others, if you keep sticking to it, you're going to feel better. And you're going to like, and then I noticed I'm going on a walk with the dog. And I noticed like, oh, I'm feeling kind of good right now. And the amount of effort I would put in should match the amount of dopamine released. It's another uroon thing. That concept also was critical in the first early days. And I also had tried to quit so many times. The rest of that, I did that rapid taper successfully, but for the next two years or whatever, I was always cold turkey. I couldn't do, I didn't have the capability of doing uh, a rapid taper. I would violate my own rules. Oh, no, the, the last dose should never, inc- your next dose when you're t- tapering should never be higher than the previous dose. So if it's six pills, the next day it needs to be five or less. Like that's it. Maybe stick to five the next day, but it's just take the bare minimum to mitigate the withdrawal symptoms. If you have like, especially if you have a job or something, I think you should actually just go honestly. I think having the consequences are great. I think you should embrace the pain because that's where the change is going to happen. And you need to remember what that feels like. So you don't go back. That's what I was able to hold on to this time around as well. So to answer your question in a very long way, it was a lot of different things, but like with those feel free, like I could think about that a week later, like how crappy I was feeling and how miserable my life was and hiding from my wife, all that stuff. And that was allowing me to get through those moments of no pleasure, of the pain and and, and embrace the pain. Like, okay, I feel like crap. Like I'm I'm okay with that. I'm supposed to. And I'll my body's gonna resilient. I will recover. I've seen all these people recover from all these other meds and drugs, and I'll be okay. And um uh, I you know I do things like um uh, showers just try to do anything that would give me pleasure like a hot shower and you know uh, it was hard because i don't know what it is about creative it seems to make people and especially for me more depressed and more anxious when they quit than other opiates as someone who's been very experienced and others prescribed insane copious amounts of opiates i won't get into the details uh but it's a lot a lot um I didn't go through this type of depression. I didn't go through this type of anxiety and I quit those. And I'm not the only person I know that said that. I've heard a lot of other folks share that in the Kratom support community, which is interesting. And I, I also, um, not to get too sidetracked here, I did do rehab for Kratom as well. And so I went to the psychiatric hospital because I didn't want to go to the rehab my, um, my therapist was telling me to go to because it was 35 minutes away. Okay. I was doing outpatient. And because I had been off of it, but I ended up whatever after that, that was July. That was in the, the rehab or I'm sorry, the psychiatric facility. I think I went to the rehab in like September and I was using Kratom again and they rejected me and said I had to be impatient. And I was like, I can't do impatient. I have a dog and that like a, a very active puppy that needs me. My wife would have to take off work. Like I can't do that. And I went in my car. I went behind the seat. I grabbed the rest of the cradle I had and took it and drove home. And then I met with my therapist the next day or something like that. And she made a good agreement like, Hey, if you can't go 14 days without taking a substance, you do need to be impatient. I was like, no, that's ridiculous. And then I thought about it and I was like, no, she's right. So I signed a little contract with her and my wife, I guess, and it said, Hey, if I do any substance the next 14 days, I'll go impatient, regardless of whatever those consequences are. I'm doing it. And, uh, I went 14 days fine and then she changed the terms on me. It's 30 days. I did 30 days and then I my life was getting a lot better, but I was just I didn't have any recovery skills at all. Um second time doing 30 days, I just I was so mentally unfit for work and everything. I decided to take a leave of absence. Unfortunate my employer had that and I, I went and did outpatient with them. I didn't qualify for inpatient and I was on the way a little like, hey, I'll show you, I'll come back and I'll be sober. The reason they told me that I have to do inpatient is so I could do a medically uh, detox from Kratom. And you know, a a lot of rehabs I've, I've heard some rehabs may not take Kratom seriously. I would say if you're looking for a rehab, find one that if you call them, ask them if they test for Kratom, then that means they take Kratom seriously. And this rehab, they definitely did. They tested you for everything. And then you had two additional tests, one for Kratom, one for fentanyl. And, uh, I knew they took Kratom seriously. They treated a lot of people for Kratom. And one thing the the psychiatrist told me there that helped me stay quit down the road, that was all in October, November. She told me she's seen a lot of patients on Kratom there. And the one thing that she's observed is that people develop psychiatric issues that didn't have them prior. And... I knew I probably, I just had learned I, in 2021 or something that I had OCD, but, and I'm not yeah. talking about being neat and orderly, like I'm talking intrusive thoughts. Uh, but I went back to that in March, late March when I was quitting. And I, I just remembered, I'm like, I'm curious have I how bad my OCD actually is, spending all this other money and whatnot on OCD treatment. Is it worth it or is it the Kratom? What did I find out? Kratom ends up being like intrusive thoughts in a pill. You know, I would take that, I get all these thoughts. I thought I had mold in my bathroom because of a small leak and I, I rip up the I ripped up the molding and stuff um, and the sheetrock and looking for mold because it, Kratom fueled me that way. And she said, you know, so I asked her about the OCU and, and when she said that other people have developed psychiatric issues, I've learned since then that uh, for me, Kratom is is absolutely a way to just develop some psychiatric problems right away. Um, but that risk is there too. Am I going to develop another issue? Because the thing about Kratom that's not like other opiates is it has effects on serotonin receptors that we haven't seen in other opiates, is what she said. And there's just not any research to... To really understand what the implications of that may be so in a very long-winded way all these things added up for me in march 28th when i quit and stayed quit having a sponsor doing the program being of service to people um having all this knowledge about how that stuff kind of works the dopamine the effort release having a going on walks in the morning doing things i didn't want to do something i know jess always said Uh, do the contrary. If you don't want to go for a walk, go for a walk, start embracing that lifestyle. And uh, yeah, things got better. And I, and once I started seeing it get better, I didn't want it back. Did you have problems with money because of your Kratom use? (laughs) Oh, you know, I wasted a lot of money on it. I did spend way too much money last summer. I was able to recover from it, but I, I ended up buying things I didn't need to buy. Like I bought a jet ski, replaced my old one. So you experienced that too. Some manic spending. Absolutely. Wow. At- yeah. Yes. That's where that OCD stuff I was talking about. Well, when you take that, you can get into this manic mindset. Right. And then the, and that's a perfect thing to say right there. I love that manic spending. That's what it was. And I, I didn't care about the consequences, the financial cost of buying stuff. I was like, Oh, I can afford it. This is awesome. Whatever. Like I want this. I get it now. And next thing you know, it's like I had racked up like 40 K. Um, now I did end up, fortunately, having like no interest on all that, and I got taken care of. But that was not a good place to be. I just realized I had reckless spending. Not to mention the seven, eight dollars I'd spend every single day for like two years or so, almost on just buying that crap, uh, which is really not bad compared to a lot of other people. I totally get that, but don't get me wrong. Was I buying shots here and there? Absolutely. And when shots are fifteen, twenty dollars yeah. each, and you're buying them in multiple a day, yeah. So my my kratom problems weren't from, from financially weren't from necessarily. Uh, buying to create them every day definitely didn't help. It was this poor money management, right? Like I was just not putting money where I should have been, not saving, just doing terrible things, not paying off what I should pay off, whatever. I was not investing in my future at all. I was just investing and burning my life down as fast as I could. And, and yeah. I, I guess I'll say that in a, but more in a slower way. So you had that uh, challenge well, as well.
0: I did too. You know, right, you buy stuff on the internet. Poor payments of this much. Yeah. Yeah. With interest free, you know, and stuff like that. It sounds like you, you, did you have a relationship with your local tobacco shop? You knew the person that worked there and the owner?
1: I never knew the owner, but I did know the girl that worked there. And it it just, that was one thing that triggered me two years ago to quit was like, yo, I've been going to this place for so long. I've known this girl since that, like, it's sad that this is one of the people that I know in the city the longest and have a relationship with. Not, We were friendly with each other every time I'd come in there every day. But I knew her and uh, the and she had explained to me the owner was a part investor in OPMS or something like that. And, and that made sense because I would travel a lot for work, and not before COVID and stuff. Everywhere I went, OPMS was so much more expensive. And I was like, oh, maybe she's not lying. And uh, they always had it. They always had like a, a lot of it too. But yeah, I had, I had a bit of a relationship with some of the other employees there over time. They would come and go. Um, in fact, this girl that worked there, you know, I was telling you, I, I buy one bag a day. That's my rule. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna relapse tomorrow. I'm just gonna relapse for today. It got to the point where I was like, they were like, dude, we don't want to. They didn't. She didn't want to sell me, and they didn't want to sell me the small bag. Like, dude, you're wasting so much money. You buy two bags, you get one free. I was like, no, there needs to be some sort of consequence. And she understood. She was cool with that. But the other employees felt uncomfortable selling me without getting a bigger bag or buying to buy two, get one free. And so what, she, what they did and she did too, is she offered to hold it for me. And so I tried doing that for a little bit. They'd hold it at the shop, but Charlie, guess what happens when they're holding it at the shop for me? You go back and make another <laughs> trip. Yep. That's all I meant. Yeah. That, that roadblock did not work at all.
0: I mean, I, I ended up being embarrassed because I was going so often because I got to the point like every day is going to be my last day. It would start, there was like six shops in my geography. And, and then one time I was a week clean and I went in and I was actually just going to get CBD and they said, Oh, you have a free shot. And
1: oh, you got so caught I, on a free I, thing from a CBD store too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had, it was a loyalty plan. Yeah. I had a loyalty reward and I had a like, it was, buy five OPM shots and get the six one free. So now I, you know, don't go into the, the, the shops. And that was, that was like my, only my second quit. Yeah. And I didn't have any, I was just trying to use the subreddit Me um, too. to quit. You know, I didn't have any, I didn't have any other supports, but yeah, like, it was easy, easy pickings.
1: But um. yeah, I actually had a very similar issue um, somewhere in between those 30 days that I was talking about that I had in July, yeah. uh, August or something, or September I can't even keep the timeline straight, but I went to a CBD store and I was looking for actual CBD, right? And they're like, we got free samples today of of Kratom. Wow. Just handing it out for free. And I was, my ass couldn't, like I'm already in the CBD store that sells everything but CBD. Like they're selling all these other THC type products and my is not legal, but Delta 8 stuff is. But anyways... I end up taking the shot like a dumbass. And the next thing I know, instead of going to the, see the girl that I've seen for 10 years at that store, I'm at the CBD store buying. They're, they're trying to convince them to get a free shot, you know, I'd go up there or not a free shot, the free sample I'd pull up and I'm like, is it a different person working? Perfect. I don't know I was here. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm interested in buying this and that. Oh, by the way, um, I'm in some pain. What do you have for that? Like, and like, oh, we got a free sample of Creative. And I'm like, next thing I know, I'm just free sample delight. Just helping myself out. And I like their product. It was a good product. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm hooked on it, I'm taking it every day. One just one purchase a day, though. But every day I go back to the <laughs> store. Free samples. Yeah. I mean, that should be um, honestly, I don't know how that's legal. You can't do free samples of nicotine. Why are we doing that? Does yeah. that make sense?
0: There there needs to be more regulation. I it seems like it should be at a dispensary, kind of like weed, with a little bit more constraints yeah. and mm-hmm. product control. And so, you know, I've heard on the internet that there is contaminated kratom, like an OPMS is especially something that's fake. So, you've had some experience with that, or you heard
1: about that? Yeah, I've had quite a bit of experience with the um, contaminated products. Like, not personally, I don't know if whatever I took was contaminated. I don't suspect that yeah. when I was in this long streak streak of buying the opms from that store that any of that was contaminated. Maybe opms is putting something in there. I don't know. I, I haven't figured that out. I never tested for any of that. But um, back in my day, I guess you could say, and when I was starting out with Credo in two thousand six, two thousand five, I mean, you didn't have to worry about that, right? Like it was so new, just coming in from Thailand or whatever, Indonesia area or something. I don't remember, but exotic plant you know and that has opiate type of effects it was not there was some concentrated versions but they were not good you had so, like full spectrum was like this shit back then and it was like but no. not really known and then about 2012 i moved on in uh to a different state and i'm here and i bought this uh K shot or something I forget what it was called it was a black bottle and i remember reading about it on the news like down the road later that that company I don't know if what I took was contaminated but I do know they got in trouble for for cutting it with tramadol metabolite that was like a research chemical and then yeah I started hearing about opms like one thing that the store told me like hey you got to be careful when you're buying it out of town because they have a lot of counterfeit opms and like they told me to look for the batch number and this thing and that and I definitely started observing that at some places the OPMS packaging was different. They didn't have the batch number and stuff on it. I'm not saying that's what you got to look for, or whatever. I don't know. But um, I just was like, holy crap, like this is becoming a problem of it being contaminated. Flash forward to today, I saw, I don't know if you saw this, I think Florida passed a law that you have to test your kratom for any sort of uh, other substances before you can sell it.
0: Yeah, they did. It was the, the regulation. Um, endorsed by the Kratom lobby. So it raised the age to 21 mm-hmm. in Florida. I, I'm skeptical of when it, the industry model legislation is the one that's passed, but it's definitely protecting their interest. But yeah, they're, they're, it, it did get, I heard about that, yeah. yes. And I, I did um,
1: hear people, by the way, uh, that pop for fentanyl and they don't know if it was cut with like some fentanyl analog or something, but this was, uh, I was in rehab and that was not out of the norm it has definitely happened. Yeah. I talked to the staff and one kid I talked to that had it happen. I mean, he was living in sober living. He didn't have access to, to fentanyl and he did get Kratom at the gas station. I mean, I guess he could have, but it had been pretty hard. But yeah, he when he failed, they tested, he came up for both. So, and he wasn't the only one. I think I heard someone in our Kratom it's group wild, too. It's,
0: it's the wild west out there. It's, you don't it's know what nuts. you're getting. Mm-hmm.
1: You, don't, you, know, you don't even know what the long-term implications are. No one does. And we're all just trying to figure it out. Like, is this supposed to be withdrawal? Yeah. Is this not supposed to be withdrawal? My hair's falling out. Is that normal?
0: Is that a, is that a symptom you had? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was getting bad. I was like, really, my hair was thinning, and I thought I just was chalking it up to getting older. But then yeah. during some quits and getting some good time away from a little bit, like maybe I did have some within. I had a break for thirty days, and then I had a few relapses of the month or whatever. But when my dosage was really low for a little while. I did notice my hair was coming back. And since I've quit, I know it's not even three months yet, but I have noticed that I've, I'm not losing my hair. Is it regrowing? No, but it'll probably take time if, it, if that's the case. I didn't know that was a side effect. And that was actually a good motivating reason to quit because so many people were experiencing it in the subreddit and talking about after three months, six months, it's like, yeah, I'm like, okay, I want to go see what my hair looks like before I try to get some treatment for hair thinning or something, hair loss.
0: Yeah. I've heard a ton of anecdotals, you know, when you hear it over and over and over again, there, you know, you start to wonder there has to be truth, you know, but it is so under-researched. Unfortunately, Um, yeah. Yes. What would your best advice be for someone getting ready to quit Kratom?
1: One is most of your problems that you have in your life right now, Kratom is not solving. It may be causing your problems. It may not be causing your problems. But it's definitely not helping you solve your problems. You're, it's, you're going to be so much better off, so much happier when you're not on Kratom long-term. You're going to have more money. You're going to have more freedom. You're not going to have to live by the shacks of, do I have Kratom? Do I not? I'm going to go leave town. Do I have enough for each day that I'm out of town? Like that, you don't have to deal with all of that. You don't have to deal with the mental thoughts of it. You don't even know who your best self is when you're taking this stuff every day. And when you stop taking it every day, you'll start feeling a lot better. Give it time. And then you can start working on repairing your life and you will feel, you should feel like most people I've learned, they just feel great. If you have this energy, I am I'm I have a lot of energy right now. I don't know what to do with it. And the whole reason why I kept relapsing was because I get in this productivity trap and I'm going to share this because I think there's other people there. I yeah. would think I need to be productive. I would wake up. I don't have any Kratom in me. i like, I got a lot to do today. I'm gonna, and I take Kratom to be productive because there's no way I was getting work done without it. I do the work, half-assed because I was high on Kratom. And I thought I did great because I felt great, right? It's like the drunk driver that says, I drive great when I'm drunk, but you're also judging it from the eyes <laughs> of the drunk person. Anyways, so then I would be like coming down the Kratom and I'm like, I got more work to do and I'd go get more, right? And then I wake up the next day and I'm like, I feel like shit. I'm depressed. I don't have the energy to do anything. Um, and I just want to know how I feel. I'm going to go take Kratom. And cause you think it's the only way. What's interesting though, is after you abstain from Kratom for me, it was, I think at least 30 days, all of a sudden I'm like, I've got energy. To, I'm like excited to work. I'm excited to do things. I'm excited to ha- have this energy. Now after 60 days, I started having this explosive energy that I have right now. And I'm like, how do I contain this? What do I need to do? And I was working out, which was fine, but you know, I was in a car and all this. So like right now I can't work out and just, it's kind of hard. So um, best advice for quitting is that, I'd say right there. Uh, Other other reasons to quit is you're getting yourself into a territory that's not, we don't know the effects, the long-term implications. I'd love for people to argue about this, but frankly, it's not research. We don't know. And the people that are trying to quit Kratom, we don't know what our withdrawal symptoms are related to Kratom or not. And you don't know what those issues for you are until you quit as well. Like I was telling, I couldn't tan on kratom i straight up cannot tan i'm an olive skin italian sicilian i couldn't tan it was the weirdest thing but i would hyper pigment hyper pigment when i would get a cut on me it would just turn and the scar there would be like very very dark way dark than it should be but i couldn't tan in the sun and then as soon every time i stopped at least especially when it was 15 14 days over i could tan I was like, wow. So like, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And I know there's other issues that a lot of people had. I had them as well, which is like the white spots on your skin. Like you don't have any pigment there as well. Um, I definitely realized that I had that and I didn't know it. The hair falling out. You got all these issues, digestive issues. Also, you're not smart or sharp on it. Maybe you are, but I'm not. I'm dumb. I like to think I'm sharp, but I'm not very sharp on that on creative. Are you?
0: No. The the disguising of it to yourself I thought it was relieving my anxiety, but it was just, I mean, to be honest with you, at the end, I would just be, you know, I take my dose and I just lay around on the couch and I stopped even getting work done. Yes. And then I wasn't even worried about my work because I was high on the, uh, on the Kratom. And then, and then the next, then my next day, my anxiety would be compounded because not only would I be going with through the withdrawal and need the, the substance to get back to just normal and fend off the withdrawals. I would have all the stuff that I didn't do the day before. <laughs> it's like pretty- You know, the cycle would, you know, just, you know, compounding. Yeah. You know, um,
1: exact same thing I went through. It's uh, the Kratom productivity trap.
0: The belief that if I took more, I could recapture it. Or if I took a break and like did some kind of moderated plan, I, you know, I did all that stuff to because it, when I first took it, it did seem like magical and I was there was no hangover and I slept well and I would knock out projects.
1: Absolutely. But In the beginning, it was fine. Um, I was doing well. Um, but somewhere over a period of time, that's not the case anymore. Yeah.
0: And I experienced tolerance. So it wasn't just that I was chasing high, I just, you know, I would take the same and it wouldn't do the same effect. And a physical dependence is a fading benefit. So two last questions. Uh, one question I like to ask everybody is, do you have like music that you go to and when you have a bad, you're having a
1: bad day? Yes, this is the perfect question for a Kratom support podcast or qu- quitting creative podcast because one thing I've heard from a lot of people that quit is that music sounds good. Great again when you get some time, and I I didn't experience that until like 30 45 days, and then all of a sudden I used to be very passionate about music, and I started falling in love with the Tron Legacy soundtrack. So I don't have a song, but I have the the soundtrack from that Daft Punk put this album together. I was at Disney and I did the Tron roller coaster with my family and whatnot, and I was like, man, this soundtrack is this is like really good music. My brother's like, yeah, that movie had really good soundtracks. I I started playing the, And then I realized it's Daft Punk. And I was like, Oh my God. So now I play that all the time. If I need to pick me up, I start playing it. If I start doing technical work and I, it's easier without lyrics, I'll listen to it. If I'm playing a video game, it makes the game super more intense because there's a lot more feelings after you abstain from it. And one of my friends in our, in the creative support group, he said, you know, one day I'll never forget this. The, your palette of emotions expands when you quit. You can feel more emotions. Mm-hmm. There's a richer palette of emotions. I think Is exactly what he said. That's so true. And music is a fast way to access those. And you may not, I didn't feel it, like yeah. I said, the first few days. I didn't care about music. It was sad. It was very sad. It made me want to go take Kratom again. But man, I, I just, I, all of a sudden I started listening to this. I still listen to it this day. I started that. Yeah, almost like 80 days ago or something. I, I, actually, it's like April. Not that it matters, but
0: yeah, it hasn't gotten old. Anything you'd like to say before we conclude the conversation? Like an a answer to a question I didn't ask or, you know, final thoughts? Yeah, no.
1: First off, Charlie, I'm extre- extremely grateful to have, have brought me on here. Thank you. Um, and I'm also extremely Same grateful here. that you created this. you have this podcast. Because if you're quitting the hardest thing I had when I was quitting, I was quitting alone. I wasn't talking to many people about it. I eventually found the subreddit, the quitting Kratom subreddit. That was helpful, but not helpful. Like I'm learning that other people are dealing with this, but like, what do I do with that? And my thing is I keep relapsing. So like, and I keep, you know, I could post on there for accountability, but it's not really accountable. Like, I don't know, but it was nice to learn that there's other issues that can happen from Kratom that I didn't know about. It's nice to know I'm not alone in that regard. Yeah. Then from there, um, uh, you know, there's the different Zoom meetings. When I found that out in chat, that was extremely helpful. Um, yeah. So, how, but the one thing I always thought about was this was a podcast. I go, I wish I had people I could listen to to understand what their withdrawal experiences are like and what their life's like after. And there was none of that. And so I'm grateful that you're bringing this here because if you're in that midst of trying to quit Kratom, um, I really hope that you're able to get off because it is making your life miserable. And you don't even, at least I was making my life miserable and I didn't even know it. And a lot of other people that I know that have clicked great on will say the same thing, whether it's manic spending, whether it's OCD, whether it's uh, other mental issues, maybe it's um, honestly the the depression, the anxiety that you're trying to deal with, the productivity traps, all of that can just go away when you stop. And you can start doing so much more with yourself. So I really hope anyone that's out there that's listening, I really hope, please, that you're able to to really try and get off. Um, You can do it. People have done it. Kratom is not necessarily a weak drug. Don't be afraid to accept that Kratom is addictive and that you might be addicted to it because if we look at the lawsuit for the OPMS black, they found it was 119 milligrams equivalent of morphine. Now that's equivalent to an 80 milligram of Oxy. That's like, that's a lot of active uh, opioid opiate alkaloids that are acting on your receptors and, you know, maybe not the extracts don't have, I mean, it's still a drug. It's it doesn't matter. It's related to coffee. It doesn't matter that it's legal. I mean, it's not for human consumption. Sure. But like, that doesn't matter. You know, cigarettes are legal and guess what? Yeah. We, we know about that. Kratom is not a pre-workout. It destroyed my workouts, by the way, shuts your testosterone down. I was exhausted. I just, no, I know people take it for pain from working out terrible. Not productive at all. You'll learn that when you stop. Um, there's so many reasons to quit. I, I wish I would have made a giant list and had that before I came today, I guess. Uh, but you'll learn there's so much out there you'll see other people dealing with. You're not alone. It's not a weak drug. People have quit successfully. Cradle may not have immediate consequences in your life, but it can slowly chip away at your life. And then and it then eventually becomes a problem when you're taking it all the time. And the, it will start creating smaller issues that become bigger issues in your life. It's a common theme I hear in a lot of the people that we're using it long-term that I've talked to and listened to. Um, and I talked to someone in, in rehab, I'll never forget this guy, this other person that was um, addicted to fentanyl and he was addicted to Kratom. And when he didn't have fentanyl, he was doing Kratom. And um, yeah, I remember him talking about how withdrawal from Kratom had its own unique properties. And and if he was desperate, I was embarrassed to talk about Kratom and rehab. If, I, I know other people might be as well. I was shocked to learn that yeah. there's other people out there. Not only are they suffering from kratom, but they may think it's weak, but it's not, and it's definitely not anymore. It's not like it was in 2005. I mean, when you start, yeah. So we're not chewing those simple tea leaves that they did
0: in you know Southeast Asia, and uh, yeah, I, I, the hope of the podcast is I felt alone, I, and it was just the subreddit. I've benefited so much talking to people like you. And so many of us, you know, we struggle with the justifications, you know, because it is legal and it's just a plan mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then I so many of us have these failed quits, you know, and it is really hard at first, but the reality is like, you just start feeling so much better after you get through that first couple of weeks and then the first month and then just the benefit just start compounding you know and both of us are just at three months but we still got a long so way long to go way but to it, go. it just we're doing so much better than we were three oh, months ago so. I,
1: and you know what it's very easy for me to not use kratom now i have no desire to use kratom at all and after being in yeah. a lot of pain with the car accident and stuff i still didn't want to go get kratom because i'm enjoying the way i'm living now way too much to go back and i understand that could change in five minutes sure but i don't suspect it will and uh it's once your life gets better, it's hard to go back to that. You start seeing how bad things could be. Yeah. Well, one last question. So you had in the last 90 days, you experienced a car accident. I did. Yes. Um, It was pretty bad. I was going through an intersection and someone ran the light and I T-boned them. I was not luckily not at fault, but totaled my SUV. Um, I love that car. I had detailed it that day. It's my birthday. Oh, it's my my birthday dinner. And I was dropping, I was, close to my home with my wife at a hookah bar that had these mocktails. That's where I wanted to go for my after dinner birthday. And then my friends had been drinking and my wife. So I was like, Hey, let me drive you guys home. Don't worry about Uber. I'll drive you guys home 20 minutes away. No deal. And uh, they're very good people. I love them. But right next to their house, this guy, the intersection before their house just ran the light, T-boned him. Thank God I was sober. I was thinking if I had kratom eyes, like, you know, when you have that vision issue, Or if I had like pinpoint pupils and the cops showed up, I mean, my whole life could be completely different right now. And I'm so grateful I was sober because you just don't know. You could be driving properly, but yeah, you don't know. And then you get into, uh, I was in a lot of pain. I have three or four bulging discs now. Uh, I'm good now, but um, with physical therapy and whatnot, I'm going to get through it. But Kratom was not going to fix anything. In fact, I really want to share this if I can, Charlie, one quick thing that I learned. For yeah. people that are taking this for pain management, there's something you need to be aware of. I learned this from my surgeon for my knee surgery when he didn't, wouldn't prescribe any more pain meds, thankfully. What he said was, and I learned this to be true with other pain meds as well, and it's true for Kratom. When you start using opiates, including Kratom, to deal with pain, it will lower your pain tolerance. And the more you take, the more dependent on it you will get. And then when you stop, you will feel every little ache and pain. Sure. Because your pain tolerance is so low because your receptors are wide. You built up all these extra receptors and now they're not getting filled because they're so used to being exposed to so much opiates. Luckily, our bodies are resilient. They recover quite quickly sometimes and those receptors will retrieve and you will feel much, much better. You won't have your pain tolerance should come back. But. If you're taking this for pain management, it's not a long-term solution. It's good for maybe for short-term. Then you have the risk of addiction, of course. And you're lowering your pain tolerance, and especially if you're taking it every day. So it's not a long-term solution to that. I, I know people want to argue with me about that, and it, maybe it works for you. Great. But I stand pretty firmly on that. Um, I would love to debate somebody on this stuff one day. But anyways, I, I did have a question for you, though, Charlie. Yeah. So we're talking about how lonely and and and, you know... Quitting kratom can be right. There's just this, this. There's no like group for for kratom support that you can go physically meet in person. Maybe NA. I, I always did AA, and uh, this time around, I guess, but whatever. It doesn't matter. I know there's all these other you know recovery Dharma and um celebrate recovery and all of those. There's nothing like for kratom. And so the thing that we run into with kratom is we're alone and we're trying to figure out what, are these withdrawal symptoms normal or not and we end up at the subreddit, and then we end up in our own little communities, and maybe there's a Zoom meeting here, a Zoom meeting there. But do you think there should be like a Kratom Anonymous or some sort of dedicated Kratom support recovery program? Yeah, potentially. I
0: mean, that was sort of the idea with the podcast. That go to something like NA, the drug is a drug is a mm-hmm. drug. You know, I'm more of an AA person, but I feel like many of those groups are clueless. And then there is something about identifying and talking with people because there's kratom specific issues you know from the symptoms from the withdraw so what 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 a
1: great conversation yeah absolutely this has been fantastic
0: kratom in the headlines so i was looking at our statistics for the Podcast. Oh, and thanks a lot to Savannah. That was the highest listened episode by far. You posted it on the quitting feel free subreddit and it just exploded. And so welcome all you new listeners. And I hope you stick with us. We do have some international listeners and by region or country, the top three areas include one is the Czech Republic and Sweden. This next tier is the United Kingdom, Hungary, and Mexico. And the next is Argentina and Norway. And these are just handful of listeners, but I welcome you one and all. So this brings me to an article that was in Politico on April nineteenth, 2023, entitled Ban, Ignore, or Regulate Kratom in the Whack-A-Mole World of Soft Drugs. The Czech Republic is testing a new approach to controlling psychoactive substances. It's a leaf, it's sold as a dye, and it's used as a drug. It's kratom, and it's all the rage in the Czech Republic. Quoting the article, In 2021, the World Health Organization's Expert Committee on Drug Dependence found there was insignificant evidence to move towards an international ban. Instead, they recommended keeping it under surveillance citing adverse effects from racing heart to abdominal pain and vomiting. Some countries are considering a ban or have chosen a ban anyway, but in the Czech Republic, where Kratom has made its way into the hands of kids and teens, often sold in vending machines, lawmakers are considering a different approach. In Thailand, where Kratom comes from, they use it in a very small amount, The Czech Republic's National Drug Coordinator says, we use it by the whole teaspoon. And I imagine in America, and this is not in the article, we use it by the tablespoon and multiple times a day. Hey, it's America. We go big. Kratom is technically legal in the Czech Republic, but it's not sold as a drug. Instead, it's part of the so-called gray market used as a drug, but sold as a dye for paint or as incense. This is a move that allows sellers to circumvent food and pharmaceutical product safety rules, which is sort of its status in the U.S., except in some states where it's banned. In Europe, kratom remains legal in Austria, Spain, and Germany, among others. France, however, banned the possession purchase in 2020 given the serious health risks, according to the National Agency for the Safety of Medicines. The agency cited a growing number of intoxications and concerns about addiction and withdrawal symptoms. Kratom is also illegal in Poland, Slovakia, both bordering the Czech Republic. David Nutt, professor at the Imperial College in London, favors the Czech approach to Kratom. From a public health and harm reduction perspective, only the supply and sale of drugs that are more harmful to other users than alcohol should be criminalized, he said. All other substances should be part of a regulated market with authorized sailors, taxation, and people knowing what and how much of the substance they are getting. So the Czech Republic's push for regulation away from the grey market and onto a strictly controlled one is being closely followed elsewhere in Europe. Regulation for substances like this is better than just letting something go unregulated, said a German official monitoring things in the Czech Republic while also acknowledging the substance has extreme side effects. So in America, there is a push for regulation, as mentioned in the interview, and it's from the American Kratom Association. They have a model legislation that they're trying to enact in each state, which not only prevents a ban, it has some sets of guidelines, both on age of use and steps to make sure there's a safe supply, I, I think it's better than total lack of regulation. I don't think that the industry should be the one creating the regulations. They should obviously have input on it, but I think there should probably likely needs to be a little bit more rigorous and have the input from not just the industry, which means the corporations that are selling and profiting from Kratom because The number one thing that they're going to do is they're going to protect their interest and maximize their profits. And they often will use that they represent consumers, that they represent the little people, and they're fighting to protect their rights. So I don't have a a model alternative set of regulations. I just remain skeptical of when the industry itself is the one that has Legislation that they try to get the state legislature to sign off on. Resource of the week. I'm going to talk a little bit about the social media landscape right now for quitting Kratom and then give you a recommendation, a link to one resource that I think will be helpful. First off, if you were going to be quitting booze, and you're going to sober up, and at the 30-day mark you post it on a social media platform, hey, I made it 30 days alcohol-free, you get at least 100 likes, no matter your follower count, and you get lots of support, and attaboys, and good jobs. That is not the case with quitting Kratom. Uh, It's the opposite. And you might actually experience harassment uh, by the pro Kratom people because they feel like you, as a person who have decided that Kratom isn't for you, is some kind of indictment against them and is calling for a ban, which is not the case. So the first social media platform we'll talk about is Reddit we've actually spoken about that a lot in many episodes. Savannah used the quitting free Feel Reddit. It has about 300 members. It's a new, new subreddit in the last three or four months. It's not overly moderated. And if you have a problem with that product, that might be good for you. The bigger quitting kratom subreddit is very structured and, and well moderated. They don't put up with any nonsense. I understand why there are some problems with it. There's some redundancy. A lot of people on the night before when they still have a little bit of Kratom in them might post, Hey, I'm going to quit tomorrow. And then you never hear from them. People ask the same questions over and over again, use it sparingly and use the search function and then try to make connections with a couple people. It can be very beneficial. Both me and Joey, as he said in the interview, we weren't able to use the subreddit to get clean from kratom alone. We needed extra support, but you know, somebody like Mike earlier on, I interviewed. um, He that's all he uses, and it was enough for him. The next platform I'll talk about is Twitter. I would say that that's probably the worst platform in terms of quitting. Kratom, it's mostly a bastion for the pro Kratom advocacy crowd. So if you want to get news and information about Kratom, that's a good place. Other than that, uh, you might not get much support. Facebook, there's a half dozen quitting Kratom private groups. You have to ask permission to get into them. They're pretty solid. One of the bonuses there is you're not anonymous like you are in Reddit, so you can Tie it to an existing account. I actually quit Facebook in 2015 and was off of it for eight years, but just signed back up for uh, Kratom. The the private groups you can post multimedia messages. You can some of them. You can post anonymously and ask for advice. So while it's less moderated, and now and then some of the discussions will veer off into politics and personalities, uh, and you'll get Facebook is. Famous for it, a little bit of drama, it might be the right place for you. I'm not on TikTok. I checked it out. I saw a couple pro Kratom accounts, a couple folks trying to bring awareness about the, the risk of Kratom. Looks like they banned the word Kratom itself. So people bypass that by using zero instead of an O or in other variations of the spelling of Kratom. Izzy is on. TikTok you can find her at reject clown and she might be able to point you in some the right direction I get I think that's a little bit in my younger two younger set for me it is the one of the most emerging platforms out there and last I'm going to talk about YouTube and I think YouTube to be honest with you has the best content for quitting Kratom and the most diverse and large amount of content It doesn't look like there's any censorship or moderating of the topic there. You can find a lot of accounts with quitting Kratom content. There's some big people there talking about either quitting or how to manage withdrawals of Kratom. You know, somebody like Joey Talks, who, by the way, you know, has links for Kratom products. So I'm not going to give you heavily endorse him in any way. But he does have good advice about how to mitigate withdrawals how to taper and things like that. You know, there's a couple other accounts. There's a coach account that has a whole channel now about quitting Kratom. And if don't want to like a nerd like me and would like somebody that's more like in the physical fitness space, in the manosphere, I think he might be a good recommendation for you. There's an interesting how. There's a very well-known, famous, you know, recreational drug guy that's experimented with all the drugs and like kind of did trip reports and he has a couple of videos on why he decided to quit Kratom because of the tolerance and the the eventual feeling many of us get. We're hooked and dependent on it. There's a bunch of individual accounts of people doing like journals day by day even in the last couple months and they're documenting their quitting journey. Um, You can use the search function and easily find them i found both a couple men and a couple women last but not least i will recommend this one youtuber his name is jason his channel is called give me your snacks and within the last month he did a kratom video about 20 minutes long entitled the truth about kratom and he's been off of kratom five years he was an early adopter of this way of life He's a very smart young man, very balanced, and he doesn't demonize Kratom in any way. I try not to myself. He found some use for it, but he really talks about how hard it was to quit once he decided and was able to have a little bit of self-understanding that it wasn't working in his life, talks about that process. And there's a bunch of other videos that's, the, his last video is looking back at five years, but he has uh, three or four other quitting crane videos. So I'll give, put a link of that in the notes as the resource of the week. And yeah, YouTube has tons of content out there. I'm not much of a YouTuber, and I didn't when I went and was trying to get help for this. I didn't look to YouTube, and I just in the recent last couple of weeks where I found that there's plenty of resources there. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Contact information, if you want to leave a message or get in contact with us, are in the show notes. And we'll see you next week. Until then, keep it Kratom free.